The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by High Echelon. You can find them at highechelloncpa.com. High Echelon PC is a nationwide CPA firm in Atlanta focused on a great client experience. High Echelon provides top quality work with total transparency, so clients always know exactly what they're getting. They believe accounting doesn't need to be complicated and that clients should always get the experience they deserve, which includes top-notch accounting, tax and payroll services, timely communication, complete data flow, and the best automation and security. Book a call or drop them a line at their website, highecheloncpa.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by Elemental Altitude Training Center. You can find them at elementalaltitude.com. Elemental Altitude is Atlanta's best and only altitude training facility. At Elemental Altitude's state-of-the-art indoor training center, they are capable of simulating elevation up to 24,000 feet. Training in the thinner air and lack of oxygen prompts an increase in red blood cells, meaning that more oxygen can be delivered to your working muscles on race day. Athletes undertaking all sorts of goals from rugged mountain climbs to flat sea level marathons to Ironman triathlons train in the hypoxic environment created at Elemental Altitude. I trained there several times myself ahead of my successful race at the London Marathon in 2022. In addition, Elemental Altitude hosts a variety of physiological testing such as sweat testing, blood lactate testing, VO2 max testing, and a variety of metabolic testing which can tell you your resting metabolic rate and the types and amounts of fuel you're burning at different training and racing intensities. Drop them a line at info at elementalaltitude.com if you have questions or you want to set up an appointment. Again, their website is elementalaltitude.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by Blue Pineapple Travel. You can find them at bluepineappletravel.com. Blue Pineapple Travel is an agency of experienced travel advisors who help you design the perfect trip. Blue Pineapple Travel advisors are all well-traveled and knowledgeable, and they will be your advocates from start to finish. They love to help people plan their travel, whether it's for a race, a family trip, a weekend getaway, or the trip of a lifetime. Their goal is to match you with the trip that you want. Relaxation or adventure, traveling solo or with a group inside the U.S. or abroad, Blue Pineapple Travel can plan exactly the trip that you want. Find them online at bluepineappletravel.com and see some of the great places that folks who have worked with Blue Pineapple Travel go on their Instagram, at bluepineappletravel. Finally, the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance. You can find them at itlcoaching.com. ITL Coaching and Performance's mission is to build a community of athletes set on reaching goals and serving the community. They have a passion for helping people achieve their goals and dreams. ITL coaches are real people with phones, emails, and the desire to spend time with you during your training. They are vested in ITL athletes. ITL takes a communal approach to coaching, so there's always someone available to answer questions and to help adjust the training schedule. An ITL coach will be glad to meet with you to chat about your goals and to find the best plan to help you meet those goals. Again, their website is itlcoaching.com. Thanks to all of our sponsors who help us bring you the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. And welcome back to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast, brought to you by ITO Coaching and Performance, Blue Pineapple Travel, High Echelon PC, and Elemental Altitude Training Center. My name is George Darden. I'm an endurance athlete and coach in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a college professor, and I'm a father of twin fourth graders. My name is Michelle Frank. I'm also an endurance athlete in Atlanta, Georgia. I am a CPA, 
And I am the mom to three girls, two of which finally go back to school this week. (laughs) And I'm Eric Hall. I'm an endurance athlete and coach in Raleigh, North Carolina. I am the father to three baby adults (laughs) and the husband to a beautiful wife, Melissa. I don't don't feel like baby adults is a compliment. (laughs) It fits perfectly, though, for these adults, whatever they are. The ones that are self-aware will agree that that's an (laughs) appropriate assessment. All right. Good to know. Good to know. Uh, And Michelle, I'm glad you said that two of your three daughters are back in school now, because I was going to ask, we've been back in school. My sons have been back in school since August 2nd. Um, Public schools in Georgia start very early these days. And so they are entering their third full week of school now, um, who we're recording on a Monday. Uh, But your, your daughters are at least two of them are finally back at it, right? I have one that went back to school last Wednesday and two that will go back this Wednesday. So yeah, a lot of these kids go to summer camps in the Northeast. Mm -hmm. So the schools down here have a really hard time with figuring out when to start school. They can't really be like the New York, New England schools and start after Labor Day, but they also can't bring kids back the first week in August because parents are hell bent on the camps that their kids are going to go to. And they would have a certain percentage of each kid, literally in each class, just not come to the beginning of school. Right, Um, right. So they walk this gray line of, you know, trying to let kids have their second session at camps in the Northeast, uh, but also getting kids into school as far before Labor Day as they can. And it's hell for working parents. Yeah. So So the camps in the Northeast are a big deal, though. I mean, didn't you just go to a reunion for the camp that you went to when you were a child? Yeah, but my camp was in Brevard, so I didn't go to the camps. Oh, okay. And my kids that did go to camp in the Catskills. I always sent them first session so that I never had to deal with this issue. Um, Cause once kids meet their camp friends, it's pretty tough to be, you know, going into your freshman year of high school and be like, Oh, sorry, you have to switch from second session to first session. Um, yeah, George, so. I just, I remember <laughs> all that time I spent in the Catskills. <laughs> I just, all those friends and the reunions Eric, going Eric, back every feel, year. Okay, I'm about to make fun of Michelle about this camp thing too, but I think we should preface it by saying that you and I actually met for the first time at camp. So in Brevard, North in Carolina. Brevard. Okay, so let's also let me just make it clear that the camps and the Catskills are disgusting. My daughter's camp is disgusting. She disgusting like disgustingly. Oh, opulent? like it's super cheap. It is not pretty there, although she'll okay. tell you it's beautiful. So you mean disgusting in the true sense of the word disgusting? Oh, yeah. The facilities okay. are completely run down. She sleeps on a wood platform floor with, like, canvas tents. Brevard camps, on the other hand, um, are gorgeous. Yeah, we used to, <laughs> so. Eric and I were You're setting yourselves camp. up for mother of the year right now. This is, <laughs> you're, you're really helping us out. You, you know That's that, fine. Right? The best thing I've ever done for my kids who like sleepaway camp is send them to sleepaway camp. That is like my, uh, that's the only token of motherhood. I I drop it in the bank for myself. (laughs) (laughs) My sons are going to their first sleepaway camp next summer. They're going to space camp in Huntsville, Alabama. That Um, is awesome. So that is going to be so fun for them. Yeah. They're, they're already signed up. We got them ready. We got the, the week all picked out and everything. So we we've made the deposit. So I'm excited about that, but yeah, no, Michelle went to a reunion of her, camp friends in Brevard this weekend and and was sending Eric and me updates and the updates were were 
very insidery that would say things like Dolly put us all on big blue and took us to fluffies. And it's like, like what? It who is that. Dolly? What is big blue? And what is fluffies? That. that is not what it said. <laughs> it said I've something never, like that though. I've never used the word fluffy. So was what, that... what was it? Um, the camp bus that like transports is a yellow school bus that's painted blue. People okay. think it's the same, you know, the same bus as in 1970, but it turns out she does have to buy a new bus every 15, 20 years. They so break. that really, so so Big Blue was correct then. So Big Blue is the name of the bus. Okay. And the director of camp, who's directed it for 40 years, she drives the bus. And what's like her she, name? Her name is Paige. Paige. <laughs> so she has a license to drive like an 18 wheeler or whatever you need. Um, and so, so she, she fired up the bus and where did she take y'all? So she took us to Dolly's, which is literally probably one of the most famous places in Brevard. Everybody okay. has gotten ice cream from Dolly's if they've been to Brevard, so, especially so, if they've been into Pisgah National. So Court. I joked that the text you sent us was that Dolly fired up Big Blue and took us to Fluffy's. And the actual text that you sent us was Paige fired up Big Blue and took us all to Dolly's. Right. It was perfectly accurate. <laughs> it was perfectly accurate. Well, you guys but nonetheless, are talking about I'm stuff willing to and... say Eric and I had no idea what you were talking about. <laughs> well, you guys are just in these really long conversations and I can't keep up because I'm busy at a camp reunion. So, you But know. you had fun, right? You had fun. I had so much fun that I slept about 13 hours last night. Um, All right. Yeah, it was. I didn't go to the 95th or the 100th reunion because I had babies at the time. So this was really the first time I've been back there with, you know, other people from my time as like a camper there. George, are you going to ask the question that I'm about to ask? Yeah, no, you <laughs> ask it because you and I have the same question. So I'm, I am not a mathematics major. <laughs> However, the 95th or 100th anniversary for you would place you approximately uh, in over 100 years old, at least. Right. So can you explain the math there? Just so right. I, I mean, my, my, my 30th high school reunion was this past summer. I didn't realize you were this much okay. older than me, Michelle. The camp reunions go in honor of the year of camp. So when Keystone was 95 years old, there was a reunion. When Keystone was 100 years old, okay. There was a reunion when Keystone was 105 years old. There was COVID, so this is actually the 107th year. It's the oldest camp in Brevard, and the good news about COVID delaying it two years means that the 110th reunion is only three years away. I so nobody that. has to wait five years to do this again, guys. Right. This is a 72 hour party. Like so <laughs> literally, the alcohol starts at about I would say 11 a.m. and does not stop till. 3 a.m. You're talking about like, I don't know. I can't even. I understand <laughs> why you enjoyed this camp in high school <laughs> and, and middle school. Uh, oh, and, gosh. And, and clearly now as well. She's already right. looking okay, forward but... to it three years from now. So right on. And to think I had to go to college and join a fraternity for this. <laughs> exactly. Right. So I've never been to a college reunion and I've never been to a high school reunion. This is actually the first reunion I've ever been to. So. And, it, and it was great. I'm glad it was great. No, I, I, we're giving you a hard time, but I'm glad you had so much fun, Michelle. I really am. I know. Where do I go that I have this much fun? I don't, I'm constantly surrounded by people and I've been to lots of places and there's never like, something to talk about with whoever's there or so many people that actually want to talk to me. Like all these people like me. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's kind of like it's kind of like being on the podcast for 72 hours straight you just get to hang out and talk about what you're interested in with people who like you like me yeah. and eric i know i need more of that in my life i mean not more you and eric but just more of the. <laughs> so you know eric and i have a yearly reunion with some of our closest friends from college and we call it the blue ridge relay um, and in oh, fact, yeah. And in fact, that's what we're going to spend a lot of time talking about here today, but we're not quite there yet. I want to hear what Eric's been up to lately. Um, Eric, how's everything going with you, man? I have successfully, 100% successfully re-injured my Achilles tendon <laughs> to the point where I couldn't walk. It was, Great. It was phenomenal. So, right. Yeah. No, um, no, nothing so, says it's almost time for the Blue Ridge Relay, like having an injury major, that keeps you from being able to walk. Exactly. So um, I had a little bit of pain and it was funny because usually it's my left Achilles. I have that bone spur on my left Achilles similar to yours. Mm -hmm. And, but I just kind of manage it, but I started getting a pain in my right Achilles and, you know, being an ultra athlete, I did the dumbest things I could possibly do to make it worse. Right. And I was, I was wearing my new balance, super comp, trainers that had over 600 miles on them mm. so that was dumb mm -hmm. which i i realized that the heels the, the foam had collapsed a little bit and was probably rotating my feet out and putting more pressure on these achilles then i i did i did two weeks in a row i did triple run days one was unintentional one was actually intentional and one was last week which was another one of those things those annual reunions because i got to run with brett mm -hmm. uh not friend of the podcast because he doesn't listen to it, but friend of yours <laughs> and mine, right. uh, Brett Wellborn. Blue Ridge Relay teammate. Right. So I had a, a conference in Myrtle Beach and Brett's in, in Mount Pleasant. So we we met between the two sites and ran together. And I'll, I'll just side note, my face physically hurt more than my Achilles tendon after running with <laughs> Brett because I was laughing and smiling so much. Um, but yeah, so I did all this dumb things. And then finally I said, you know what? My Achilles really hurts. And I got up Thursday morning last week and I could not walk up my driveway straight. I had to like turn my foot to the side and walk sideways up the driveway just to take the dog for a walk. Yeah. So because of that, took three days off um, completely. And then yesterday I did a ride. It feels a whole lot better. I actually did something I've never done before. I did some shockwave therapy. Mm -hmm. um, our chiropractor recently uh, procured a, a machine for that and brought me in on sort of a demo basis. And, you know, I'll, I'll just go ahead and quickly talk about this because George has been through this. I think he's talked about this before, but mm -hmm. if, if anybody ever recommends you go to shockwave therapy, you need to know <laughs> this walking into it. They test it on your hand to let you know what it feels like. And it kind of feels like a tap, like tap, 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 right. tap, tap. Right. And then when they start doing the the actual like therapy, wherever your injured tissue is, it's tap, tap, tap. And he had me saying like, tell me one to 10 what it feels like. And I was like, zero, 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 one, one, two, three. And then <laughs> profanity, <laughs> yeah, profanity exclamation point. And he said, right. what was that? And I said, that was an eight. <laughs> Be ready because it quickly goes from tap, tap, tap yeah. to someone striking as, as, George described it using a chisel and hammer on your injured yeah. uh, tissue. Yeah. I, I can't admit this though, like walking out of there 
it felt phenomenal, yeah. which is dangerous because I really think that's just an overload of your your nerves. Like they've mm -hmm. stopped feeling pain. But that's what it's supposed to do. And that's what it's supposed to do. It's supposed yeah. to non-destructively cause the healing process to accelerate. Right, right. Um, and I can't say that that alone has gotten me to the point where today I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. I was able to ride the bike yesterday, no problem. I'm gonna ride again today, maybe do a short run tomorrow because I also did a serious amount of rolling on my calves to keep them loose. I did a, a whole lot of uh, Normatec boot work to you know, keep the swelling down and all that. Um, and obviously I took some time off, but it was definitely a piece of it, so. Right on. Very good. That's, yeah, that's been most of my injuring myself and then recovering from it has been most of my time since we last talked. Yeah, you know, there's shockwave therapy and there's shockwave therapy. And like what you had, I've had that done a few times before, too. And it's awful um, when they get to the place that's like really heavily injured. Like you said, like when they do it on your hand or even when they do it on the parts near your Achilles that, that aren't injured or aren't tight, it's no big deal. And then suddenly they get to those spots and it's just devastating. Uh, <laughs> the, 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 the first time I did it, I joked and I wrote this on my blog at the time that like I was questioning my life choices more than I ever have in any race that I've ever run. I was like, why am I doing this? Why am I here? Why is this fun? Why did I voluntarily submit to this? Yeah, um, because yeah. it was it was so awful. Um, and then we should also distinguish between that and then the therapy that I've got that I talked about on literally the very first episode of this podcast, uh, the extracorporeal shockwave therapy. It's the same principle. It's the same idea. But extracorporeal shockwave therapy, which I've gotten twice, um, they basically turn it all the way up to 11. And, and it's so intense that they actually numb your foot. And then you have to, to wear a boot for 12 weeks. But it's the same idea is that basically they're, they're causing damage to that spot, extra damage to that spot that's already damaged in order to reignite your body's natural anti-inflammatory and healing processes. Yeah. Um, and that in itself sounds really exciting. It does. I'm going to take this injured thing. I'm basically going to grind it up a bunch uh -huh. externally. <laughs> and then your body's going to, to naturally heal it. Right. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's, it's a great idea, but it's, it's painful and, and yeah, yeah. Not always what it's cracked up to be. Yeah. Um, I over the weekend did not do that. Um, I've been, been running plenty, of course, using the lever, um, getting ready for the Blue Ridge relay and for the Berlin marathon, which is only two weeks later. I, this weekend, um, did a couple of things. One thing I did this weekend and that you will both appreciate is that I visited the home, both the birthplace and the current home of everybody's favorite workout, the Michigan. <laughs> um, I, uh, I had to fly up to Ann Arbor, Michigan this weekend. Unfortunately, it was for a funeral um, and the memorial service. It was great. I was really happy that I went, but um, it was uh, uh, near Ann Arbor, Michigan, where I went to graduate school um, and where I did my student teaching back in the day. Uh, I drove past the Michigan Stadium, which is where the Michigan workout originated, and then went past their uh, track and field venue, which I want to say their new track and field venue because it's new since I was there 20 years ago, but it's probably 15 years old at this point. Um, but uh, but where Hobbs Kessler and others uh, would would currently do the Michigan workout. So so that was fun. Um, and then also over the weekend, I watched the uh, the world championships. Um, the world track championships are going on right now in Budapest. Um, I saw the the 10,000 meters, both 10,000 meter races. 
the men's 10,000 meter race was won by Joshua Cheptegei in a surprise to absolutely no one. Uh, the women's 10,000 meter race was won by Gudef Sige um, after she and Safan Hassan were battling down the stretch and Safan, Safan Hassan fell. Um, and, and Ethiopians ended up going one, two, three in that race. Uh, and then of course I watched Noah Lyles win the, uh, the 100 meters, which was, was super fun too. So Michelle, have you been watching the world championships? I did my best to watch starting Saturday morning. Um, I did catch most of yesterday. I've watched very few things on a replay, mm. but I know we just talked about that bus ride to get ice cream in Brevard. So the women's 10,000 meters was 2.55 p.m. And that bus pulled out at three o'clock. So I did that whole <laughs> outing with my hair down and one AirPod in and basically multitask like nice a queen, I would say. Um, nice. It was really hard to both follow it and pretend like I wasn't doing anything else besides, you know, enjoying everybody's company and engaging in conversation. But um these championship races where they go out at, you know, a snail's pace. Right. Um, it almost just feels like, okay, well, if the race is going to be 30 minutes, give or take set a timer for, you know, 27 minutes and come back right. because right. that race was won and lost in the last 300 meters. For sure. So the, the men, the men's 10,000 meters was won and lost in the last 500 meters. Joshua Cheptegei went to the right. front at 500 meters to go. Right. And, and um, it was great. It was brilliant, but yeah. yeah. So, I don't, I know we're not going to talk about worlds a lot, but I will say that, and I don't know how you would achieve this in the 10,000 meters, but there were changes to events, uh, you know, predominantly the 1500 meters this year, so that you had to qualify in rounds in the top six to move to the next round. It wasn't, you know, the first three qualify, and then it's the next fastest times from all the heats combined. And that makes for amazing racing. We've mm -hmm. seen two rounds of the 1500 so far for the women. So we've seen six races and they've all been good races, right? Because mm -hmm. people, they have to race. You've mm -hmm. got a place in top six. Mm -hmm. And it just feels like if there's a way to make championship racing in the five and the 10 K so that people are actually, you know, running and it's not just a, who has the best kick over the last 300 meters. Man, I would love to see that. But but, um, but if you but if you added like qualifying rounds to ten thousand, which by the way they used to have as recently know, as the nineteen ninety six Olympics, you actually had to qualify for the final though. in the ten thousand yeah. meters. Um um and and yeah, if if you do that, then they race fast in the rounds, but then the final is still going to be a very tactical affair. They're right. still going to so go out you, slowly. Right. So how could you make a championship race not a tactical affair with just that one race? So Eric, solution. what do you think? Let's hear it. People just need to run fast. You 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 give a minimum. You say you say if if you all run over fourteen minutes for the first five k, then the race is over and we're going to kick you all out and we're going to have no world champion this year. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, now, Eric, what do you think? Much, Eric? It's pretty much exactly what I was saying. You can make it as granular <laughs> as you want down to the lap level, and, and but you basically you force the pace by doing like a almost like a um, a shag wagon like the shag wagon chasing them. And like, if you're like, use the lights, that's what we could, we could use the pace lights. If, for this. if, if anybody falls behind the pace, light. well, they, they do, there is a style of race that you've seen that that's, that's yeah, taking yeah. off at some running festivals where they basically say, all right, this is going to be a, a, a 5,000 meter race. And the person in last place at every lap is kicked out. It's a scratch race, right? It's, it's the same thing that they do in, in cycling and track cycling. 
And so maybe they just start doing that in the world championships <laughs> to where they, where they have to sprint the last hundred of every lap. <laughs> I mean, what they should do is they should have um, American football players standing on the track. <laughs> and if you're behind the lights, they come through and tackle you into the infield. <laughs> maybe. I watch that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, that, that, and that's a good point too. We also need to figure out good ways to make, make track more exciting and, and expand the viewership. So maybe that would do it. So, Michelle, what were you about to say? I don't know if the masses prefer this. Like, they don't care that it's just kind of a pedestrian jog and then the last little bit is out. <laughs> Let's not like... go that far. It's not a pedestrian jog. It is, it, it, it is for those athletes. guys. It yeah, very much is for these yeah, athletes. It is for those guys, yeah. Um, you know, it just it feels kind of sad for the sport. We watch a 10,000 and the 5,000s run only a few times, and most of them – you know, the 5Ks at a Diamond League, and we're seeing records fall all season long and PRs being broken and American records. And then you get to what's supposed to be the culmination of, you know, a year or if you missed a year, two years worth of hard work. And it's, we're not even touching record time, so to speak. I hear you. Um, so I don't know. I, but I, yeah, I, I hear you. And, and of course, the reason for that is, is that if you win the Olympics, it doesn't matter how fast or slow you go, you're still going to be the Olympic champion. Right. Um, and same for the world. Yeah. And same for worlds. And so, so anytime you're talking about a championship race, um, you're always going to have a lot of people hanging back and, and, and waiting for the kick. And it's always going to be faster in the back half. The thing that, the thing that is confusing to me, and I, I did this myself as a runner is that, that really and truly in a, in a 10,000 meter field of 20 people, let's just say 20 people. Um, and of course there's only going to be three medalists. Do all 20 of those people really think that they have the best kick in the entire field? Um, it is, is waiting until the last 500 meters and then running the last lap in 53 seconds. Is that really a winning strategy for everybody in the field? Certainly not. No way. Um, there, there are certainly plenty of runners in that field um, that, that know that if it goes down to a kick, they're not going to win. Right. Um, and so, and, and I was, I, I was, and I am still that guy. Like if it comes down to a kick, I'm finishing last in whatever group I'm in, whether it's a cycling race or a running race or whatever it happens to be. Um, and, and to me, I've never understood, even though I did the same thing when I ran championship races in college, I've never understood why it is that those people don't go to the front and force the pace more. I just don't, I, I, and I don't, I don't have an answer to the question of why that is. I just don't get it. Um, but it just doesn't tend to happen. You know? I wish they did. Um, it, it, I can understand why it wouldn't happen on, say, a windy day. Um, right? Um, but but when the conditions are, are great, yeah. Um, that's one of the reasons why why championships like Jacob Ingerson in the 2020 Olympics in the 1500 meters, when he ran to the front and ran from the front and won from the front and then set the Olympic record and there was all these national records and all that sort of thing behind him. That's one reason why that was so exciting to watch. Um, that's one reason why I like that guy because he runs from the front and actually makes the race hard. It's fun to watch. Yeah. Um, I mean, all of this to say, if you haven't watched the end of the women's 10,000, there was a bit of drama, so you should watch it. For but sure. You really can just go to, you know, like 25 or 26 minute in and watch the last mile. So for <laughs> sure, for sure, for sure. Very good. Um, all right. While we're checking in on things, um, uh, let's do a quick strength work check-in. Uh, you, you've been doing your strength work, Michelle? Yeah, I got a... Uh... TRX installed, um, which I'm pretty excited about. So mm -hmm. changed it up 
a little bit this week. Um, some of the stuff I literally cannot do. Like I don't, I think I just trust that I'm, I do not trust that I'm not just going to fall flat on my face <laughs> on my concrete basement floor. Um, but it's been fun to change things up a bit. So yeah. And I ran 22 miles last week, which is the first time I've gone over 20 miles since silver rush. So uh, right yeah, very good. Very yeah. good. Eric, you doing any strength work? I had a pretty tough week the week before. So I took Monday completely off. I, I didn't do my normal strength work. And then the next one would be today. And I'm considering doing abbreviated strength work uh, today. Um, I'm still trying to recover from just this whole, like I, I was gone all weekend, you know, I was, I was traveling all weekend. So we'll see, we'll see how it plays out. But today's my normal strength work day. You know, actually I didn't do like a long run yesterday. Like I do a lot on the weekend. So yeah, probably, probably get one in today. Very good. Very good. I'm still doing like a few last week. I did two body weight sessions and I actually did go to the gym one time. Um, I ran with Michelle and then left from that run with Michelle and, and actually went to the gym, um, which was, was pretty good. So, so I am doing a bare minimum amount of strength work, but I'm happy about that. I'll take it. So, so <laughs> better than, no, strength better work, than zero. I have an idea of what Michelle does for strength work. What is it? What is a strength workout for George? So a body weight strength workout, or if I actually go to the gym? Yes. <laughs> so body weight strength what? work. So, so body weight strength work, I'll do uh, push-ups, crunches. I'll do this Pilates thing that I know. I'll do press-ups. I'll do dips. Um, I'll do some, um, some assisted astagrass squatting. Um, I'll do some, some, I've started adding some calf raises, um, uh, and some tibialis raises as parts of some things I'm working on to try and make my Achilles better. Um, and, uh, and yeah, that's about it. And then sometimes I'll add in like a couple of extra things there for, for a body weight strength workout. For, do you do calf raises or do you do the eccentric work for those or so, so do you both. consider, okay. Yeah, both. I mean, depending on kind of what I'm feeling on a particular day and, and frankly, depending on what doesn't hurt. Like, like, if, like if I start to do a, a calf raise and it hurts, I'm like, I'm not going to do this. This is going to make it worse. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, so I have to kind of, kind of base it around what doesn't hurt my Achilles. Yeah. Um, and then uh, if I actually go to the gym, I, there's a handful of things that I will always do at the gym, um, like lat pulls and rows and deadlifts and, and leg presses. Um, and then beyond that, I'll mix in a handful of other things as well. See these things, this sounds like that would be a good, you know, 30, 45 minute workout, but your workouts Dude. are generally like 12 to 15 exactly. minutes. I'm, I'm knocking it out. I you must have a lot of things that here. hurt. No, you have a lot of things that hurt. <laughs> so you skip a lot of these exercises. No, I just, I just move quickly. I just do one set of things and just kind of move on is what it is. Okay. All right. Um, so it's not a, it's not a circuit. It's sort of one set. Yeah. And then I, you, tend to, okay. I, I, I tend to do one set of things. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. Important announcement. We settled on a book of the quarter. Um, and it's a book that I feel confident that all three of us are going to read. <laughs> um, and it's a book that only came out in June, which I'm excited about as well. And so I haven't seen a whole lot about it in various places, um, but I think it's one that we all want to read. Um, and it's called The Race That Changed Running, The Inside Story of UTMB by a guy named Doug Meyer. Um, Doug Meyer is an author and an ultra runner. He is um, uh, run UTMB twice. Um, and just kind of reading from the description here. 
Uh, 20 years ago, a small band of runners came up with an idea, hold a race around the Alps' highest peak, covering more than 100 miles through Italy, France, and Switzerland. They expected a few crazy souls. Instead, more than 700 runners showed up. Running was changed forever. This is the improbable story of how Ultra Trail du Mont Blanc, UTMB, became one of the world's greatest sporting events, even as it set new limits of human endurance. It is a story of how the world's best runners and the historic home of mountain adventures brought about a revolution in running that has been felt across the globe. For this unbiased and inside look at the past, present, and future of UTMB, author and trail runner Doug Meyer, who was given unfettered access to the UTMB archives and spoke to more than 100 people, from race organizers and winners to experts and scientists, to those who love the UTMB and even those who hate it. This result is a book with more than 200 photos, maps, and infographics that is the most comprehensive perspective in trail running's greatest race. So I'm excited about it. The preface is actually written by Killian Dornett, too, so uh, for what that's worth. Um, I uh, have not yet ordered it because we only uh, settled on it last night uh, here since we are uh, coming up on, yeah, now that we've passed the halfway point of Q3, um, it was important <laughs> that we go ahead and settle on our book for Q3 here, but uh, it looks like something we'll all enjoy. I'm excited about it. Um, what do you think, Michelle? Yeah, I'm excited to read it. I how did you How did you think of it? Like, how did you remember it? Because I remember reading that the book was coming out, but it's, I feel like it's been a long time since it's even been on my radar. Actually, I didn't. Um, I started I started trolling around. Um, I started okay. Googling, uh, you know, recent running books, that sort of thing. And and just just kind of happened on it. And I was like, why have we not read this? Why haven't I? And then it's found brand it, new. <laughs> yeah. And then found that it came out in June. Um, found, awesome. found that it came out only about two months ago. So, yeah, I'm excited about it. Good Googling. Do you think you're going to read this in Eric? <laughs> I, I probably will. You know, the, the interesting thing about this is that I feel like I disagree with the title, so I'm looking forward to seeing the proof behind how this changed running and this kicked off the, you know, it sounds like the pre the premise is it created ultra running. Yeah. And I don't, I don't, I don't really think that's the case, but I'm, I got an open mind. I'll read yeah. it. Right on. Cause I, no, I'm cause like I, it. I can tell you that a lot of the people who run these ultra races that I run with, uh, they couldn't spell UTMB. <laughs> much less pronounce the mountain it's run on you know yeah I, I mean. yeah and and, they, and they've been around for a lot longer than utmb has been around yeah right um so so, so point taken yeah and so i i look forward to yeah if, if it does say ultra running didn't exist until utmb then then obviously that's problematic and and frankly untrue uh and so so but we don't know that it says that because none of us have started reading it yet so i I'm, I'm looking forward to reading it um, and of course, look, taking a look at all the uh, the infographics and pictures as well. So this right. this sounds like a book that I will not be listening to for that reason, <laughs> um, because there's going to be a lot to see inside the book as well. So should be fun. Should be fun. Um, speaking of fun, I was thinking this morning when I was running uh, that Blue Ridge Relay is coming up um, and Blue Ridge Relay has gotten to this place in my life that's almost kind of like Christmas that like I look forward to it all year long. And then it's like this one day thing and then it ends and I'm like, oh, <laughs> but it's not one day. It's <laughs> Thursday, you're, you're, Friday, uh, Saturday and Sunday. It is point, a four day Christmas. So so you're right. But it's also like Christmas in that it that we've gotten to a place now. This will be our sixth time doing it, Eric, that that we we it's, it's pretty much a, a, an annual fixture. Right. We, we're, we're, we, we do it every year and we have plans to continue doing it 
uh, you know, our families realize vacation will not occur in yeah. the first or second week of September. Yeah. And, and, and it's something that we kind of, we kind of work in and I, I'm, I'm able to say to my parents, because they're gonna have to look after my sons a little bit over the, during the time that I'm gone. Cause my wife's going to be out of town too. I'm able to say, yeah, I'm running that relay in North Carolina with my, with my friends. And they're like, Oh, okay. Um, so we didn't bring Ken Savinsky on this year. Of course, I, I encourage all of you to go back and listen to the interview that we had with him last year. And it was great. Um, in part because, um, because he is so busy, as he said, and he's so gracious. Um, I think we'll bring him on again maybe next year. Um, but I didn't want to just add to the various things that he has to do here um, uh, leading up to the uh, to the Blue Ridge Relay. Um, I mean, that was what he led with last year, you remember, was just how busy it was. And then we, of course, saw him at the starting line, and he just looked tired more than anything else. He looked excited, but also tired. Um, so didn't really want to add to, to – to, I didn't want to become an annual part of adding things to his plate. But – biannual maybe and so so i think yeah. i think we'll reach out to him next year and uh and maybe have him on next year again which i look forward to um but uh eric you excited i am i'm always excited about this i mean it's you know over the last few weeks we started honing in our t-shirt design and mm-hmm. um we started figuring out who's running what when mm-hmm. and that's always a fun process you mm-hmm. know for those of you who don't know it's a 209 mile relay race 36 legs and you set a rotation on your team uh we run an ultra team which means it has six people or less mm-hmm. and so you're gonna run six legs or more mm-hmm. unless you get out of rotation and we actually run a five plus one team our driver runs the first leg and then He's uh, driving for the rest of the time we're there and we rotate through the rest of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems like um, every year something happens to yep. late impact that result. And, you know, so we deal with that or like the, the rotations. Uh, we have an injured runner who um, we've talked about before, Brian. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, we're still trying to figure out how many legs he's going to run, but it'll probably be less than the full. So mm-hmm. we're. We have a series of scenarios and a spreadsheet that friend of the podcast, Lee Ragsdale puts together that, you know, that, that's what we're working on, trying to figure that out. So that's always fun. I think the, it the it's just a fun process to go through and to talk about, not, not that someone's injured and they can't run the whole thing, but that we're getting together. We're going to work through this problem. The, the shirt design, the van layout um mm-hmm. is always is always something we talk about i'm excited about. about the van layout this year this year this year is exciting i agree I think, which as I soon as i say is... that like michelle rolls her eyes that the idea of being excited about the van layout but but for five years we've experimented with different layouts of the van and this year for the first time we're actually building things into the van um that that will help us more uh, efficiently use that space over the course of the 27 hours that we're running, which I'm super excited about. Yeah. And, and if you're wondering, what does that matter? Like, <laughs> like, why does that matter? And I'll just, you know, think of this, there's six adult males um, running a race where you're getting a couple of hours of rest between each leg. You have all of your gear. Uh, one guy is always completely sweaty and destroyed. Right. Right. All their stuff, not just the stuff that they're running with, but the stuff that they brought up for non-running is in this van. And plus, trying- plus drinks, nutrition, drinks, yep. they're gonna, nutrition. like all the stuff that all of these old guys need in order to be able to actually pull off running 40 miles or more. Exactly. 
And it's all about minimizing chaos mm -hmm. because the van will quickly devolve into complete chaos if you right. don't have some sort of storage plan, um, seating plan and whatnot. Um, one of our, our greatest inventions is what we call the swamp seat. And basically <laughs> we, we dedicate one seat in the van, we cover it with plastic trash bags and towels. And we say, when you're done running, that is the seat that you sit in while we're right. taking the van to the next, right. uh, the next uh, turnover spot. And the reason for right. that is some of these legs, you'll finish a nine mile leg and be absolutely destroyed, but the next guy's and running three go. miles. Yeah. So literally you finish, you hop in the van, you know, you do like this a team hop in the van and take off to the next exchange zone. Yeah. So yeah. the swamp seat though, I mean, you can imagine how important an innovation like that is. So it developed, it developed organically. The very first year that we did it, we realized there's probably, we'll probably better contain all of our sweat and nastiness after all this running to one seat on the van rather than yeah. the entire rental van. Yes. Right. Um, and it's important and, to have like space on the floor also for mm -hmm. convulsing athletes, um, for <laughs> <You got> changing, <laughs> uh, for, you know, I don't know. There's a lot of stuff. It's a rolling do. locker room. It is. Yeah. And, and, it is and you need to have, and you need to have the space for all those various sorts of things. Now, Michelle, this weekend when you were at your camp reunion, didn't you say there was a woman that you actually went running with? Oh gosh, I was in a cabin with a uh, a woman who I was a camper with. Um, she was older than me, so I know her name. You know, I I wasn't. Um, we weren't really friends at the time, but she showed up at camp, and just a mutual friend was basically like, "Oh, you two are, you know, like if you get up early in the morning and wake us up, we're gonna kill you." and it was like right away. It was like nobody gets out of bed until, you know, the bell or um and except except for the two runners, of which you were one. Correct. <laughs> so we kind of looked at each other and I said, Well, I'm only planning on running one time while I'm here. And she said, I've been injured, you know, I'd love to get in one run. Are you gonna go on the roads or on the trails? And I just said, you know, we have such a limited amount of time here. I wasn't gonna drive to Pisgah or DuPont. I was just gonna try to get in like sixty to ninety minutes on the roads. Um so yeah, I had a friend to run with and it was great. What'd y'all talk about? Such a good transition, George. Um, <laughs> we talked about running. We both have three girls. I made the, gosh, maybe I would call it colossal mistake of asking her, you know, what is the favorite race? Um, she is from Asheville. So I asked her, you know, what would be kind of one of the favorite races she's ever run. And she said that for the last seven years, um, she's run the Blue Ridge Relay and that it's her favorite race. And it's so awesome. And at that point, when she said that, we were about a mile into, I don't know, a seven-ish mile run. And I thought to myself, holy, I really just, are we going to talk about the Blue Ridge Relay for the next hour while we're running? Um, so... Yeah, I was like, yeah, I know a little bit about that race. <laughs> and and because George and I are the compassionate individuals we are, as soon as we heard about this, we said, hey, for the podcast tomorrow, I think it's time to do a Blue Ridge Relay update. Absolutely. Yeah, perfect timing. And you were um, so absolutely. excited. You were absolutely excited. Yeah, I was, I was stoked. I'm here, right? So so, so, honest, so honest question here, Michelle. So, so you all ended up talking about it for a while. Um, and I'm sure she was super impressed that you knew a lot about the Blue Ridge Relay because she figured that, you know, you wouldn't know all that much about it. But yet you do. 
Um, and but what did she say? Like, was there any insight she gave you on the Blue Ridge Relay or anything that she likes about it that you were like, huh, okay, I didn't necessarily know that. No, she sounds just like you guys. You're running <laughs> in the middle of the night. It's pitch black. You have no idea where you're going. You make all these turns. You see this sign that lets you know that you're coming up on an exchange. And you're just like so thankful that you're not lost, you know, in the middle of God knows where Western North Carolina in the middle of the night. Uh, no, I mean, her her stories and her experiences uh, sound very similar to yours. Um, <laughs> she does it with an ultra female team. Mm-hmm. And this is actually a year that she's not running it. Um, she's coming off of a bad injury. Okay, I was going to Ironically ask. or not ironically, she's a sweeper for shut-in. So that just made my time running with her that much more like, why is this happening? She Shut, shut in the, shut uh, in the roughly 18-mile race that you and I ran in Asheville last <clears throat> October. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Basically, I felt very much like we were running together, but... George and Eric were just really with us in spirit. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's like the so, perfect run. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she's injured. I did tell her that, you know, if they ever got to a point where they didn't have a six runner, um, that I would be interested in running it. But I would only do it as part of a team that A, knows what they're doing, and B, like, I, I knew somebody. Um, she did Michelle, offer me a spot on another this is, team. This is the <laughs> highlight of the 2023 Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. I, know. I don't know what I to say. I didn't I, say I, that in the text group. It it, it takes, um, like, you have to hear the vocal intonation of that. So, if, yeah, if, I, I rose my hand. I raised my hand. Um, but their team is really set. I think they have the record. Um, it's the just running team out of Asheville. Mm-hmm. So I'm probably not getting a spot on that team. But if a spot opened up, she seemed... Uh, willing to, you know, throw nice. my name in the hat. <laughs> nice. Awesome. She's Strava stalking you. Yes, she's she not is. on Strava. Oh man, doesn't mean she can't Strava stalk you. <laughs> she's definitely not interested in Strava stalking me. She went. She's from definitely the interested. So, all right. So, <laughs> yeah, so no. next year, next year, all three of us will be running the Blue Ridge Relay. That's exciting. Yeah, that's super exciting. Um, we so, might actually get to see you at the same place that we saw you when we were doing it a couple of years ago. But yet you'll be running rather than rather than spectator. we talked about the exchange with the pool and Boone. I mean, I mm-hmm. think she was a little bit like, this is so weird that, you know, so much information about this race. <laughs> I, I Like, honestly, it's weird, right? If you've never run the race to, to have as much Blue Ridge Relay knowledge as I have is it's a little weird. <laughs> right on. Right on. Eric. So, George, each year. I think we all do this each year. We think of, or or we, we put focus on something we're trying to hone Mm -hmm. something. Maybe we're going to do differently. Mm -hmm. Something we actually do a lessons learned document at the end of each one of these, a reflections document. Yeah. You you go back and you read that. Like we, 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 we we circle around a super long email to one another, which to me, actually, honestly, that's part of the fun. I actually really enjoy that too. Yeah. Um, But my question for you is, is there something some focal point for this year or is it you've dialed it in and it's just going to be what you've done in previous years or you know what's the what is this year for you that's a good question i'm gonna i'm gonna ask you the same question here in just a minute um that's good because i've got some notes where (laughs) (laughs) that's good because you got the answer to that question and and you're asking me that question which is a segue for you to answer the question got it okay (laughs) um no to answer your question it is it 
I, I do feel as if I have it pretty dialed in at this point. Um, we've done it five times. And the second time we did it, I had a bad race. The second time we did it, I, I, I made some mistakes and really struggled. Um, but that's the only time it's been bad. Knock on wood. Um, I've had three really solid years since then. Um, and, and I feel really good about the process that I have in terms of warming up, in terms of what I eat and drink in between legs, between about the, the level of effort that I put in. Um, and then I'm capable of putting in, like I have, I have a really good sense of all of that. And so I don't think I'm going to be really fundamentally changing um, a lot of the way that I do things. Now, that being said, this year, my assignment, the seven legs that I have are leg five, leg 10, leg 15, leg 20, leg 25, leg 29, and leg 33. Um, those first two, I've never done four of those, which is cool. Um, those first two, five and 10 are not super hard. They're both right about five miles and they're both just kind of moderate legs. But then the third leg that I'm running leg, leg 15 is the longest leg in the race. It's 10 and a half miles long. Um, and it's called the grandfather mountain leg. And it's the one that I I've run it before. I ran it in 2019, the year that I struggled and it dehydrated me and completely wiped me out. Yeah. And then I struggled for the remainder of the race after that. Um, and so I, I guess the answer to your question then is what am I going to do differently this time? Or, or what is one of my big priorities? One of my big priorities is to make sure that I go into that leg with enough energy and enough fuel and enough hydration to actually run that leg well. And then I come out of that leg, not so drained of fluid, not so drained of energy, not so drained of fuel, that I'm still able to continue running for, for the remainder of the race. After that leg, I have another two kind of easy legs, and then I'm doing 33, which I've done before. Um, and that's the one that has the big climb right in the middle of it. Uh, the steepest grades in all the Blue Ridge Relay are right in the middle of leg 33. And I've actually done that two times before. Um, and then there's a possibility, as you know, Eric, that you or I or Brett or whoever is going to run 36, the last leg. We haven't really decided who's going to run 36 right. yet. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. It's actually a possibility that we, I think if uh, if, if someone falls out, can't you like. Yeah. Yeah. We could even relay 36. We could even yeah. relay 36. We haven't yeah. talked about that, but yeah. that might be an option too. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Because it's a long leg. It's nine miles long. Um, the, yeah. the, the, the final leg. It's, it's well, no joke. Coming off of. I'll have run 31. Mm -hmm. You'll have run 33. That's, that's rough. That'd be yeah. a quick turnaround from 33 to 36, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. A very quick turnaround. Yeah. So we'll see. So we'll see. Um, what about you? What are you going to change? What are you going to make different this year? So unlike you, I, I don't think I've ever dialed this in. I think I've had good years and bad years. You know, one year I ran injured. And you guys gave me all the short downhill legs. That was actually really fun. That was a fun year for me. Mm -hmm. um, and then I've, you're, you're, I feel like your best year was actually my bad year. Because I, okay. I remember in 2019, I, I remember you you actually did really well and you enjoyed yourself and you were pretty fresh at the finish. Or pretty yeah, I, fresh. But you that know. was probably the closest to a good year I've ever had. But I've always felt like there's something missing, you know. And so one year it was like, you know, I'm well, every year it's my quads are really, really blown up. And so I've, I've developed, you know, plans for that run more downhills mm -hmm. hard, you know, um, climbing's always hard. So run more uphills, you know, you mm -hmm. just do repeats, you know, so I've, I've tweaked things like that, but this year, I think the, the big thing 
and we've talked about this in a couple of the previous podcasts, the big thing for me is hydration and fueling. Mm -hmm. I think my, my struggle is that I sweat a whole lot more than I replenish. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've really been trying to figure that out. And I had a couple of huge aha moments over the past uh, two or three months. And I'm, I think I'm finally dialing it in mm -hmm. and, you know, so this really kicked off from a fueling standpoint, it kicked off, you know, I actually listened to one of uh, David Roach's podcasts and, you know, the, the quality of those or the, the messaging of those can be questioned if you have it. But I, I, I listened to one of their podcasts and they were talking about fueling during training. And it was more than just getting used to fueling so that you can do it during a race. It was it was really about making sure that at the end of the run, you're already in recovery mode. Mm -hmm. And I think I've, I've consistently failed at that. And mm -hmm. so I, I've, in, I've instituted that. And then the second piece of that though, was I think I've also consistently ended long runs dehydrated and not fully recovered before the next run. Yeah. Fully hydrated before the next run. So yeah. I've done a lot of measuring and I think we've talked about this. I'm about an 80 to a hundred ounce per hour sweater. And so I started figuring out how to fix that. But one, the, the big aha moment for me was it's not just about hydration. It's about electrolytes. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of products out there. And if you don't, because here's, here's the scenario that I think I've run into many times. I'm hydrating with water. I'm hydrating with water. I'm hydrating with water. And I'm just diluting the electrolytes. Right. I'm not getting enough of those electrolytes because right. I'm, I'm apparently a salty sweater. And what happens there is when your electrolyte levels don't go up in your body, your body's natural response of, Hey, you're thirsty drink doesn't occur. Mm -hmm. So I think many times during the Blue Ridge Relay specifically, I feel like I've hydrated because I've drank a lot. I feel like I'm, I'm not thirsty anymore, but I've actually just diluted myself right. from an electrolyte standpoint and I pay right. for it. Right. So, well, I mean, and, and, and that's kind of bound to happen. Like if you're, if, if you're only drinking water. Like if, if, if you drink water over the course of the 27 hours, the Blue Ridge Relay is, and you only drink water, it doesn't matter how salty a sweater you are, you're going to dilute all of the electrolytes in your body. Like right. you have to actually take that because I'm, I'm actually not a salty sweater. I'm, I, I have average saltiness, but, but I cannot drink only water during the, the Blue Ridge Relay because over the course of 40 miles of racing plus warm-ups and cool downs plus, uh, over the course of 27 hours it doesn't matter that my my salt my sweat is not that salty i will have lost all those electrolytes just because of the sheer volume of of running and sweating i've done you know right i think it requires you to really figure out measurements though because there your stomach can only handle so much stuff and this is what i was driving at so if I have to drink 80 to 100 ounces per hour of running, that is a lot to put in your stomach. Yeah. So one, you need to spread it out during the event. You need to be drinking while you're running. You can't just put all that at the end. Two, if you're going to take in electrolytes during that time period, you should also really consider taking in calories with your liquid because mm -hmm. you're going to get to the point where you don't want to eat because your stomach is full of liquid just to right. replenish what you're going to lose. Right. So it's this huge balance. And I've, shot, I've sent pictures of the you know, my, my breakdowns of all the different types of, uh, goos or, or just gel packs in general and drinks and all that, but I'm really trying to nail it. And I was, what I'm driving to is this last thing I just wanted to throw out there and we'll talk about it in a future podcast, but I'm going to try out the 
Gatorade GX sweat patch. Mm -hmm. It's a very simple thing. You don't have to send it to a lab, but you get two in a pack. They're about 25 bucks. And if you do, I think it's a 30 minute run or more, scan it with the app. It tells you how much you sweat and it gives you an indication of how salty your sweat is. Cool. So it gives you a starting point. So yeah. I'm going to try that out. And I think, so that's my big thing for this, this year is I don't want to be peeing gold at any point in this race. I was going to say it, at noon on the first day. Yeah, exactly. No, I think that's good. I mean, and you can, you can do those you're in Raleigh, of course, and our sponsor elemental altitude is here in Atlanta. You can do those sorts of sweat tests at elemental altitude. Um, I've done one before. And so I have a pretty clear sense of those numbers, but that data is very powerful. Um, and it definitely yep. changes you to your point about drinking calories. The only time that I drink calories during a race is during the blue Ridge relay. Um, I also did it during the Ragnar Ultra Relay that I did with Michelle and Justin Dugan um, and Allison Mercer earlier this year, um, because that was a similar situation, right? It ran six times over the course of 24 hours. But but the only time I ever do is that. And I'm always reminded of Marshall Ulrich, um, the ultra runner who ran across the United States and wrote a book about it um, called Running on Empty. And he said that that over the course of the time that he was running across the United States, he never drank water. He only drank things that had calories in it. Um, and so I, I always keep that in mind. Um, I, I ordered a big jar of, of sports drink just last week. And it's the only time I'm going to use it all year long is during the blue relay. Is that Roctane sports drink? So I ordered Roctane. Yeah. I ordered Roctane <laughs> and I also ordered some element too. So may the just... GI gods be with you, George, <laughs> but see, yeah, I don't drink George... it while running necessarily, but, but I to hear. Eric's point, maybe, I, maybe I need to during that 10.5 leg. So yeah, we'll I'm going to say we we actually started on our chat our message group we started talking about this and it's funny the the range of things out there you know like you got your standard gatorade and then you've got things like roctane and then tailwind and whatever else and then you have these other ones that are like liquid iv and element that are really pushing towards more of just an electrolyte replacer like there's no calories in those and one thing that I find kind of interesting is you can take a tailwind, you can put a eighth of a teaspoon of table salt in it, and you basically have a calorie and uh, an electrolyte mix because it has some electrolytes and you're just adding that sodium to it. Yeah, but and, but but if you if when when you start mixing things up on your own. That's when you start running into to concentration and osmolality issues that might, in fact, cause some of that GI distress. So, well, but that's why I'm saying, like, you have to measure it. You need to know what yeah. you need, yeah. um, because you know, if you say, "Oh, well, I'm just going to hydrate with Element," you're basically drinking water and electrolytes. There is not a there's five calories per right. serving in that, but right. you're drinking a lot of electrolytes. That's right. a thousand milligrams of sodium right. in every every little packet. Right. So. I, uh, I have learned I, I, how much I need, but the, the, the 10.5 mile leg right in the middle, that'll be just as it's getting dark on, on Friday night, September 8th, um, we'll, uh, we'll in fact put all of this to the test. So we'll see, we'll see. And that, you know, that's what I did last night is I looked over the legs because I, uh, I did purchase another piece of gear. I did purchase the orange mud hydro quiver two. Hey, so I'm going to try this out. This will probably be in my arsenal for, mm-hmm. for Blue Ridge because cool. I think I need to carry more water. And there's options there. You don't have to fill both bottles. But mm-hmm. 
you look at your different legs, and this is a great example, you know, I have two nine point whatever mile legs, and then I have a series of short legs, and then I've got a 6.7 mile leg that's going to take over an hour to finish because it's Mm -hmm. four miles straight up climbing. Right. But you look at that and you say, okay, it's a 9.2 mile leg, uh, 969 feet of elevation gain. If I run 730s, that's a 69 minute run. Mm -hmm. So I need to be hydrating during that run because what's the recovery after that? I don't want to get into that extremis where I'm like having to force liquid um, yeah. in and all that. So, yeah, yeah, no, for sure. When you have a five mile leg, when you have a three mile leg, you don't necessarily have to carry the water with you. But right. I mean, you know, you mentioned that that one thing taking about 69 minutes, like Grandfather Mountain, that'll probably take me about 69 minutes. You know, it's 10 and a half right. miles long. Right. And it on this rolling terrain. I ha- I'm, I'm going to have to carry something with me for the first half of that just to make sure. And Lord knows I hate carrying things with me on a run. So, well, and that one's strange because you do get a van pass. Usually most, most legs, oh, you get a I van have. pass yeah. and then so you, you can either so hand y'all, off your so, bottle. So when y'all pass me on the van, you're going to be, need to be mindful of taking a bottle or handing me water or something like that, rather than just sticking your butts against the window for me to look at. <laughs> do you do that? <laughs> never. Oh That's God. so uncouth. We would never do anything like that. <laughs> I've and never I'm, heard that. I've actually never heard you guys talk about that. It's called pressing ham. So, well, on that happy note, (laughs) and with that image in everyone's mind, let's go ahead and call it a day here. Um, Eric, I am excited to see you. Um, We're recording this on Monday the 21st. And like I said, the race starts for us at 8.30 a.m. on Friday, September 8th. Um, But we'll all be getting together. We'll be gathering up uh, on Thursday night, the 7th. So I'm looking forward to that. Only 17 more days of Blue Ridge Relay talk. No, because we have to do the post race. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And then, and then of course, next year, since you're going to be running it next year, we got to have to, I mean, we're going to have to start talking about it like several months ahead of time next year. Cause you're right. going to have so many questions. It's going to be great. Yeah. You guys <laughs> are holding serious red balloons of hope here. Absolutely. Uh, Eric, I don't know what that means, but man. yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for being with us, Eric. Thanks George. Always fun. Thanks Michelle. Good afternoon guys. <laughs>